Luke chapter 9, good morning. It is great to see you. Are you happy to see each other? Yeah. When you see each other, you're like, uh, one group, the group over here, see the people way over there. Wave at them. Say hi, teens. Over there, you see you say hi, adults. <laughs> teens, teens are all in the corner. Cluster. Still waking up? Luke chapter 9, please. You know what we're going to talk about today? is something that I want us to kind of soak in a little bit. Did you know that God wants you to be happy? Amen. Good, we got an amen on that. Amen. How many believe that? How many have felt that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. No. It depends on how your week went, whether you felt that way or not. Yeah. You know, some of us, we feel love in the moment. And, uh, you know, like if someone's treating us well, now we feel love. If they do something that hurts us, we don't feel love. Sometimes people go, God, nobody loves me and things are working out. And when they're not, they're like, God, maybe doesn't. You know, a lot of times it can kind of feel like, does God want me to be happy? Is that God's vision for my life? Some of us, after a while, do I even know what it means to be happy? And we're going to look at a scripture today, and it's going to be God's just telling you, hey, I want to give you it all. I want you to be fulfilled. I want you from your heads to your toes to feel enveloped in my power, in my love, in my glory. Isn't that a good thing? Yeah. And here's the secret. They said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. 127. Uh -huh. <laughs> for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world? You know, I just watched Mission Impossible Fall. I, I, we watched the superhero movies. Thanos, right? You know, I think of this like super villains wanting to take over the whole world. <laughs> if you were even that kind of super villain and you could control everything, it's not worth Forfeiting or losing the very self. I should know that one. We're ashamed of being my word. Son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. When Jesus comes, it will be glorious. I hope you have that picture in your mind. Amen. And God says, I want to share that glory with you. And let me tell you the secret. The secret is sacrifice. Yikes. What, a secret sacrifice? That's not how we think we'll be happy, is it? I mean, you can tell early on, when we were toddlers, what did we have? Tantrums. Aren't we so happy with for the childs? They have their beautiful baby there. She's at that stage where she's a beautiful baby. You know, that age between talking and kind of not talking but wanting, it's that tantrum thing. Sometimes a baby will not stop. Attachment child will not stop. We learned early on, I want what I want. I want to get it. We get older and sometimes we enter mid you know, middle school years, we go, well, silence. That's going to help me get what I want. <laughs> oh, we learn how to sneak around. That's how I'm going to get what I want. But sometimes we think I'll be happy when I get what I want. I want, but the secret is what? Sacrifice. That's intense. You go, God, you're so cruel. 
trying to do with us, try to, try to help us just kind of go through all these hoops and test us and discipline us and control us and just make us sacrifice. You know what? This is actually the heart of God. Turn to John 3, 16. We're going to look at similar old scriptures. If you want a new insight today, you won't get one. I just want to tell you in advance. We're going to do old scriptures that you've heard before, but maybe it's just time for us to get on track with something similar. In John chapter 3, verse 16, let's just look at the heart of Jesus, the heart of God. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. You know how the world has changed so much now. I remember after, in every football game, you have someone holding up a sign, John 3.16. Now they won't even show that. It's crazy how the world gets. So I said, you know, I was going to say, oh yeah, you've seen this scripture on TV, but you don't anymore. That's, it was just weird. I was working on this lesson. But John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Sacrifice is the heart of God. Sacrifice is the heart of God. When we read Luke chapter 9, it says, hey, I want you to take up your cross. If, you, if you're visiting with us, if you're not sure what the Bible says, or you're kind of new here, let me tell you what the cross is. The cross isn't a gold thing you wear around your neck. The cross isn't something you use to ward off vampires. <laughs> what is the cross? The cross, if you were back then, it's the instrument of death or criminal. It's the electric chair, the injecting syringe, it's the way to die. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you've got to take up that cross. You've got to deny yourself how often? Daily. When we're talking about sacrifice as the doorway to complete fulfillment, we're talking about that lay down your life kind of sacrifice. That Jesus says, I have that heart. God says, I have that heart. God says, I am joy, I am light, I am purity, I am pure awesomeness. And if you want to tap into that, understand me, I sacrifice. Oh, the big sacrifice of Jesus, not just once. Turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse 17. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day. And, and I, too, am working. See, when Jesus says, hey, I want you to take up your cross. I want you to deny yourself daily. Because he says, that's who I am. Yeah. God's always working. He is always working. Why did God have to rest on the seventh day? Because creation was not easy. Creation wasn't easy. To design the atoms, the molecules, the cells, the life, the energy, the sun, everything you see, the billions upon billions of things that exist, the trillions upon trillions, the everything you see. That didn't happen like that. You say, God said, man, I have to rest. God is always working. Right now, he is working on your front. The Bible says he's setting things up. He is plotting and thinking, how? Can I get you to draw close to me? God is always working. He is always sacrificing. Because God is light, happy, joy, and love. Somehow, sacrifice is the key. Blah, 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 right? 
But you know, this is key to Christianity. There are other religions that talk about how God wants you to sacrifice. God wants you to obey and bow down to Him. But the God we worship says God has sacrificed for you. Loves you, cherishes you, will give everything for you. And learn the joy of being just like Him. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Do you get a picture of God? Well, bro. Have you ever thrown a party? Have you thrown a party? And was actually excited about it. Have you ever done that where, like, you know, you play the music in the background, you're checking the food, right? You're decorating. You think of the game. You envision how everything will like it, right? You know which friends are coming. You have the list, and these are your people, the people you like, right? You know, people that party you put on the list, and no one texts you back there. And then they show up. Like, so you don't know which, you felt bad about them, or you feel worse that they showed up when they didn't say that. You know, you know, it makes you feel like you're going to the party you're excited about. Right? And then you're, throwing, you're putting all that work into it. Because you're excited for everyone to come and enjoy that moment. This is the sacrifice God wants us to have. That part, Ephesians 5, verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Sometimes, I want you to have enough every Sunday. We want to help you understand the heart of Jesus. We want to help you understand how Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, God is one. And when you look at who the Spirit is, when you understand who God is, when you get a picture of Jesus, I hope you feel encouraged and inspired. But guess what? There's a reason why. Because God says, as dearly loved children, follow my example. Did you know why God gave us his word? Not so we could just obey him, but we could follow him and be like him. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. You could be like God. Mm -hmm. Who's your favorite athlete? Let me hear some. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. There we go. Anyone else? LeBron. Magic Johnson. Okay. But here's the thing. What if that your favorite athlete knocked on your door said, hey, guess what? I want to train you to be just like me. You wouldn't even pack your bag. You'd just go walk, jump into that car. Just slide right in. You go, why? Because they're most likely driving an escort. How do I know? You know, we have a brother in the church. He was uh, reached out to in the Reno church. Okay? His name is Reggie. And uh, since, you know, I worked with the Reno Church, he and I have developed a friendship. And he, he was reached out playing D-League ball, okay? And he became a disciple. And guess what? Now he's playing for the Pistons. Okay, isn't that cool? Yeah. And so he comes out to L.A. because Blake Griffin, he said, hey, why don't we all train at my house? Isn't that cool? So he comes out, he hangs out, and, you know, he was just at midweek. And, um... He is. So he comes to midweek and they're like, hey, let's go out. You know, take some singles, we'll go out to eat afterwards. We'll go to BJ's. He goes, okay, I'll drive because my wife came and then she had to leave early. So guess what? Just while, you know, I'm in town. And he goes, oh, cool. Well, he let you use his car? Oh, well, he has five of them. Yes. <laughs> but what a great privilege. Someone knocks on your door and says, hey, you can train with me. Someone you respect. 
I want to give you what I have. What a privilege, what an honor. And God says, follow my example. Is that an obligation or an opportunity? That's an amazing chance. See, many religions just teach you, oh, you're here to just get something from Jesus. And you know what that does? It comes into our church mindset. We're just here to get something from church. Amen. And God says, no, this is your opportunity to be like me. Amen. How exciting is that? You know, how do we do that? It says, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and what? Sacrifice to God. The secret is sacrifice. Amen. And I just want us to understand that real faith, the faith that saves us, is the one that decides, I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm not going to social media follow Jesus. I'm going to really follow Jesus. I'm not going to click, accept, pray in Jesus. I'm going to follow him. And God just says, I have a chance for you. You can be just like Jesus. Are you open to that? Do you want it? What does that take? In what way? So today, I'm going to do a little review of last week's lesson because some of you weren't here. And then I'm going to continue on with, this is an extension of last week's lesson, just so you know. And so similar in spirit, some scriptures are the same, but I just want us to get a glimpse because I think it's important for our church to start taking steps really forward. But it's not going to happen through leadership. It's going to happen through sacrifice. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, the Bible says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body, of which he is the Savior. Now the church submits to Christ. So also, wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water uh, through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without staining or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. Have you ever felt like marriage was a mystery? Amen. Yeah. If you all know from afar, it looks pretty cool. Still is. I'm going to make this work. You're shaking it, listening to it, you know, tick-tick around. Yeah, I'm totally unmechanical, right? So if something breaks, it's just a mystery. It's, it's ridiculous. I can't even unscrew things from my wall. I have to call this brother, Elvin in the locker. Can you help me? Because I'm trying to unscrew it. I strip all the screws and everything like that. Just mechanical things are a mystery to me. Have you ever felt like, man, I don't know how to make this work? And God says, there's this thing, this profound love in marriage. You go, well, wow, that's a profound mystery. But it actually says this. But I am talking about Christ and the church. The mystery here isn't marriage. He's just saying marriage is an illustration for how the church should be. Now, there are good, there's good instruction here for married couples. But he's really talking about how much understand how church should be. 
I'm not going to be here for the next two Sundays. I'm going to Australia. We're helping out a church there. They, we've been working with them for now almost three years, and they've always wanted us to come out, so we'd set out this time to go out. It's not the best time to go out, but um, you know, I decided I'll go. Roxy Robin's staying, so she'll be here. But I decided to go out because we're, we're sad. I'm sad I'm not going to see my wife for two weeks. Because you know, I just love hanging out with my wife. I can hang out with my wife 25-8. Anyway, it's hard. What a wimp, baby. Let's just wait. Where are you going? I'll never say I'm a tough guy. But. God says, that's how Jesus feels about his church. He's passionate about his body. He loves his church passionately. He wants to be with us 25 acres. Pains us, pains him to be separated from us. That's God's heart. But we've got to imitate it. we got to make the same sacrifices that Jesus would for his body. Are you up for that? Something we got to just go Let me figure this out. I'm going to make some very specific calls to our ministry. Come on, Dave. Number one, we just got to dream and, and understand and be drawn close to who God is. God's a sacrificial God and he loves every minute of it. It fulfills him. It's his existence. It's how you are. When you care about people, you just want to make things special for them. That's who God is. But real faith, real faith imitates that. And God wants us to be the same way. But how so? It's about his body. Jesus laid down his life. He didn't just make any old sacrifice. He made a sacrifice for his body. Not just you individually, but for us collectively. Isn't that crazy? Amen. So church should feel that special. The people in church should feel that special. Verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're going to talk about three things. Three specific things. And then we'll pray for the Lord. So. Okay, the first one, it just says, hey... I need to submit to one another. There's this notion of our relationships being key. Just the one another connections that we have. And I have two thoughts that I'm going to review from last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. But I want us to hold on to that, and then we're going to end with a practical that's new for this week. Number one, in our relationships with one another, we need a pick and stick. Pick and stick. Pick and stick. We've got to decide, you know what, I'm going to pick. And I'm going to stick with you. Well, that sounds easy. I didn't say pick and save. <laughs> Some of us, not to be brass, we pick and flick. Oh. <laughs> we got to pick and stick. You know what happens? You can pick so much and it gets rough. What do you do? Ah, this is rough. Man, this is too hot for this relationship. You know what else we do? We go, well, I'll pick you. And you go, man, no, this is too cold. I pick and flick. <laughs> we become what I say, Goldilocks Christians. You guys know the story of Goldilocks and the Bears? Yeah. Does anyone not know? 
<laughs> Story of Golden Locks, she goes in the house where three bears are living. I don't know why bears live in houses, but there she goes. There's baby bear, mama bear, and papa bear. Come on. Goldilocks sits in one chair. She goes, this chair is too hard. That's daddy, papa bear's chair. Sits in mama's bear's chair. This, this chair is too soft. And then she sits in baby bear's chair. She goes, this chair is what? Yes, right. We're not good at thinking and sticking anymore. We spent some years in our fellowship exploring this word called freedom. Now I want you to understand the Bible freedom. The Bible freedom isn't to do whatever you want. It's actually freedom from sin. Not freedom to sin. I remember people out and share our faith in Hawaii. Some of the subs would come back and, oh, we talked to this guy, you know, back in the day. When we would evangelize, the person, I heard about your church. And I want you to understand, there's freedom in Christ. There's freedom in Christ. And there's freedom to do this, freedom to do that. And some of those brothers would come back a little confused. And I said, no, no, no. It's not freedom to sin. It's freedom from sin. We spent a lot of time flicking rather than sticking in the name of freedom. And we've got to go, I'm going to stick. Now, let me be real with you. And I want you to understand this. And I'll say this again later on. I've gotten to know much of you, and Robin's gotten to know many of you as well. This is a very likable and lovable group. Amazing people. But when I look out, I see we sit so far apart from each other. And you, I keep going, hey, come in, come in. And we resist that. I don't know what it is. <laughs> you got your spots, and you're not sticking. Come on, bro. And it's really, really important for us to realize I got a pink and stick. Over the next number of months, as we as a leadership team start praying and understanding what God wants from this fellowship, when I say pink and stick, I'm not telling you to stay here. I'm telling you to stay somewhere. I'm telling you what would be healthy is that you pick and stick somewhere. It doesn't have to be here. I'm not saying because I don't want you. Because you guys are a lovable people. We want you here. But with any loving relationship, sometimes it's not a match. And we have to stop going, our theology and what's great about these cities is we allow this, everyone to go and do whatever they want. Because you can't build the love of Jesus that way. What I've found in many ministries, people look at married people and they go, wow, there's some sort of maturity about who they are. They look at parents who've kind of weathered the storm and have older kids. They go, wow, there's something special about those people. And you know what it is? It's not age. It's just they have no choice. <laughs> you know, they, they, I married you, and for whatever reason I married you, it's of God. I didn't know this about you, and you didn't know this about me. But apparently God loves surprises. We're going to make it work. And even when you make it work, you grow. When you have a child in your arms, you go, oh, look at this beautiful bundle of joy. You know what happens? I just told you what happens. The tantrums come. When the words come out, my goodness, what these kids say about you is crazy. My daughter used to tell me how bad I smell all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, baby, you can 
<laughs> They're your child. You, you, you pick to give birth. Now you stick to that baby. For some reason, you grow. Sometimes we just got to go, you know what, I got to pick and stick. We've been exploring for years now, some of us. But, and you don't, and you, you can continue to explore. You know, what do you do? You kick us out? You're going to make me feel condemned? No, everyone has to go on their journey. I'll be honest with you, we don't control people like that. But I'm saying if you want to feel the love and power of God, if you want to understand His heart, if you want to make that connection, that real closeness, if you go, man, I want to feel the vision and power and joy of following God's example and being like Him, it starts when you pick and stick. And he goes on and says, well, what else do we do with each other? You got to hold and hold. <laughs> so I pick and stick. I find someone says, hey, you know, I'm going to be with you, right or not. And guess what we got to do on this earth? We got to hold and hold people. That's what makes you mature. When you have kids, you start going, gosh, I can't do what I used to do. Because they're watching me. <laughs> when you are a healthy husband, when you're the husband on the wedding day saying, I'm going to be a great example to you, my love. I'm going to wash you. You read the passage. You're going to be white with the word. You are going to take it up higher. Because I have this beautiful woman that will be following me. When you hold and mold someone, it transforms you. It's an image of Jesus. Because that's who Jesus is. He looked at us. And he says, I'm going to hold on to you. The Bible says in Timothy that, that God is always faithful. That doesn't mean you're always saved, but it does mean God is always faithful. He is loyal. He will hold on to us, and He is working all the time. Remember that scripture? Because He's holding us and molding us. When we're running away from Him, He's trying to hold us and mold us. When we're doing our best to be close to Him, He's still holding and molding. And the pressure and the, the, the crafting is very, very difficult sometimes to feel. But God is holding you and molding you. But He says you've got to do the same. Amen. We sit far apart from each other. Why are you harping on that? Because I tell you, this ministry will not change that. <laughs> you've got to choose differently. Because you're not thinking, I'm here to hold and mold the person sitting eight chairs away. Come on. I'm not here to hold and mold for the person who's sitting seven rows behind. Do you get that picture? You are here to be of influence. If you want to be like Jesus, you must be of influence. Let's go on. Marriage. It's a dream that people yearn for. A loving, healthy marriage. You think you keep talking about it. I'm single. It makes me feel bad. Trust me, you're not single people aren't the only ones yearning for a loving, healthy marriage. <laughs> people who are married are yearning for a loving, healthy marriage. The last practical we have before we close out today is we've got a dream to team. Dream to team. Pick and stick. 
in Golden Lord. That was from last week, just so you know. This is a dream to team. That's why the Bible this is a profound mystery. There's this connection in marriage. It's amazing. But he says that's how God feels about the church. And that's the mystery. People have lost this understanding that church is that special. And so, yes, there's that one-on-one -on -one thing that we've got to have with each other. But here's the thing. The church needs to be this team. And that team should be something that you experience, you want to experience in your wildest dreams. How many of you have been on a team? Raise your hand. Man. But how many of you have not? See, a lot of us were not in teams. In high school, maybe we're on, we were not on the basketball team. Or maybe we were on a team, but it was the wrestling team, where it's not really a team, or the tennis team, where it's not really a team. It's a bunch of individuals competing against each other. But if you're on the band, that's a team. If you're in a drama project, that's a team. If you've just been with this group, you've got to go, man, I'm on a team. And if you were really, really invested, it was a blast. Yeah. But you have to be what? Invested. <laughs> Jesus says, sacrifice. God says, I sacrifice. You know why? Because it builds team. What does team look like? For this group, let me just tell you, it looks like every time, on time. That's what it's got to look like for this group. That's got to look like for anything. I want to do well at my job and show up every time, on time. I would do well at school. Guess what? Show up every time and on time. I want to make this church experience awesome. Then I need to be here what? Every time on time. Isn't that amazing? I want my singles ministry to be great. Guess what? You got to show up every time on time. I want the team ministry to be great. Parents, you need to be there what? Every time and. I live in the Orange County. I want my small group to be great. Guess what? You got to be there what? Every time. Say it again. Every time. That's the dream to make a team. It's that simple. That's not that easy. It isn't. But why is it so important for us to do that? And what are we going to do about it? Let me just tell you. If we haven't done it yet, we're going to do it now. We're going to make you feel missed. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be so missed when you're not here. We're going to say, we missed you. We're going to go, why didn't you come? When you're late, we're going to say, we missed you. How come you didn't come on time? <laughs> Get him, Tom. That ain't me, sister. I want you to become humble and aware. I know I've sent you something. I've never been like that. You go, what? It works. I just love it. The one thing I want to sit in front of you and you see just to write it down to remember in your life. I understand the point of this lesson is hey, the secret is sacrifice. I understand that beauty of it. But I want you to be humble and aware because here's the thing here's the thought, here's the insight that will help you in other situations. Guess what? We forget being late or absent. We forget when we are late or absent. We do. And so when we come on time, we go, where's everyone? They're so late. We get all irritated. When we're absent, when we're here, we go, wait, where is everyone? How come they're not here? 
But you don't remember. Wait, you were gone last weekend. We forget when we're late or absent. And you know, even for me, right? That's what I start with. So we've been trying to work this out ever since March of this year. And what the solution is, we don't know. We are agonizing over it for leaders meeting. Because what, what Rob and I felt like we needed is we needed to be here, present for the whole service. On time to stay, feel free and connected. We think that would help right, for us to be here, to fellowship, to talk, and everything like that. And we haven't been able to for various reasons. But you see, because I'm realizing I, I'm not here. If something bad happens, I'm not here to experience it. Amen. If I'm gone, and I, you know, we went away for two weeks for vacation, I'm going two weeks now to Australia, and then we have no travel plans from that, then to the end of the year. Okay, but typically we take those plans and uh, move them out through the year, but this is just the only time, this time around. But when I'm gone for two weeks, people could have gotten into fights. People have gotten hurt by each other. And we're not there. So we come in and there's walls and tears and hearts, hard, hard hearts that we have to work through. But I'm not there experiencing them. I'm not there to experience them firsthand. When I'm gone, good things happen. People have these great memories. Have you ever been with friends who had a bunch of inside jokes? <laughs> but you weren't there when they came up with the jokes? We invited one of the uh, new members from um, who moved into to Bay Point out to the movies with me and my family. So and, and we're talking, and you know, my, my my family we're just kind of a bunch of nerds saying really dumb things. We saw the movie Darkest Minds, and we just went on to this whole thing about all these other movies that would rhyme with Darkest Minds that we thought was funny. And that poor young man was just sitting there going, "Huh." Cracking <laughs> 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 each other up. <laughs> yeah. I've been there. Sometimes when you're gone, you, you, you miss the jokes, the memories that are created. You walk in, you feel a little on the outside. We forget when we're absent or when we're late and we walk in here and you feel like, I don't belong. Because you missed something. God wants you to feel loved. Come on, Dave. We wonder why. Why are the singles where it's at? Why are the this where it's at? Why is that where it's at? Why is this where it's at? It's because you're not here. That's why. Well, it needs to be this before I'm here. It needs to be that before I'm here. It won't become that unless you are there. You guys get that picture? It can't be what you dream for it to be unless you're part of the team. We've got to understand that. Let it soak in. Because we cannot move forward. Until we make this thing called sacrifices. Mm -hmm. okay. Let's go down and keep a chef before. Okay. Hebrews chapter 12. So I went along. Hebrews chapter 11. He's doing this. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned. 
that God could even raise the dead. And so in a matter of speaking, he did raise Isaac back from the dead. I need us to understand. Things need to be put on the altar of our lives. The cherished thing, that one and only son, that, that thing you think God is going to fulfill all his promises through. Your time, your routine, your bitterness, your hurt. You go, I have not been cherishing those things. Yes, because your bitterness and hurt is what you justifying you being cynical and pulling back. Okay. And you think God's going to work through your protection mechanisms. God's saying no. Like Abraham, you got to put it on the altar and reason. God can do something different. You decide that you're going to sacrifice your brain changes. You see things differently. You figure out solutions. You start going, okay, well, this door is closed, but there's another way that God can work. And I just want to motivate you. I want to move you. See, what can God do in verse 13 before verse 17? All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. How many of us are remembering what had happened? Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God has a city for you. He has an amazing place for you. He has a Christian life and Christian relationships and Christian family that you have yet to experience. Take your best day in our movement and in this church and say, God has something better for you. But you're going to have to decide that sacrifice is the key. It's not going to happen any other way. Because God works through sacrifice. He's constantly working. And he's constantly moving. He's constantly sacrificing his heart, his energy, his power for his body. He says, you do likewise. You need to pick and stick a body you're going to work with and work for. You need to hold and mold the people around you. It has got to stop that you don't sit together because you will never get close until you sit together. We can't even get close if we're far. That's right. If everyone wants to sit on this side, fine. We all sit on that side. We all sit on this side. But it's... Let's go camping days. It looks like something. <laughs> you don't need to go camping. Because you don't want to go camping with each other. You pick and stick, you hold and hold. And guess what? We'll dream of the team that God has. Let's build a new country. Something better than anything we've ever seen. And you'll see the secret... All along is going to be a sacrifice. Yeah. A 